Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. So, what is the Kingdom of God? And this morning we talked about, well, we mentioned COVID a little bit. Uh, we have a page up at preparingyou.com. And we uh, we add information that we get. Uh, you know, when the coronavirus first uh, started up, I actually got it very early on because I got it from a 400-man delegation that came to the state of Oregon from China, invited here by the... Uh, person posing as governor, which is Kate Brown. And so it, it traveled to a lot of people before it was even news, hardly. Although, uh, we had heard about it by the time we, we got it out here. My, my son picked it up and I got it from him and et cetera, et cetera. And went through everybody in the family. And we all survived. And, uh, there was a lot of information coming out, but I had no TV out here. So I had to do my own research because I'm not, you know, plugged into CNN and ABC and NBC and I'm not just sitting there saying, okay, tell me what to think next. And I actually looked up, I actually, like I said, I had somebody who was a scientist and uh, a medical doctor and was here for a symposium in Stanford. And uh, it all got canceled because this is right when it was all coming out and they had to fly back to their home country. But uh, I I looked up Anitas uh, and other top ap- epidemiologists, and I was getting different information from them, them than you were getting. Other people were getting on ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, and uh, they were not being told the truth. They were getting it from people like Ferguson, who is not real bright, doesn't have a very good track record. Evidently, he had an affair with one of his students. (laughs) And he was taking money from Bill Gates. These are all a matter of public record. And uh, he's had to roll back all his original estimates that scared everybody to thinking this was a terrible pandemic. Of course, it's not. And, of course, people say, well, look, 300,000 people have already died with COVID, not from COVID. If you counted, I, I've, I've looked at medical records all my life. I look into the actual source of the data, the statistics. It's getting harder and harder to find it on the internet because they kind of put a screen through the algorithms and filters so you can't get, if you, if you just want to know the number of deaths from a particular disease or a problem like smoking, in Oregon, you know, it's like 5,000 people every year die from smoking. In Oregon. That's from smoking. Not with smoking, but from smoking. Uh, you don't have a fraction of that dying with COVID. And they're selling people cigarettes. You're, you're a lot more likely, statistically speaking, to die from smoking or even secondhand smoke then you are likely to die from COVID. 
or from the flu. Because, like somebody was pointing out, we were at a funeral. There wasn't a single mask at the funeral. And uh, was talking to several people who actually, you know, a lot of times these people have rubbed shoulders with me because uh, they're in my community. So they, they're hearing the rest of the story, the, the stuff that media just blacks out. And so they they were suspicious, but then we give them the actual data, the actual information. Now, some of the articles that I've written, I don't have too many footnotes. I always have some footnotes to show you where I've got the data. But the reality is, is you could have got this, that there isn't 300,000 deaths, because they said they were counting it different. Just like cases. Cases are based on PCR tests and assumed cases. It's just, it's false information. And then they, they have fact checkers who are going to check your facts and the reality is the fact checkers facts are not correct. Nobody's checking the fact checkers. <laughs> How many fact checkers can you check if you could check fact checkers? You know, that's like woodchucks. But the reality is, 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 uh, they're lying to you and they're getting away with it. And a lot of people are starting to realize they're lying to you, but you don't know what to do about it. Because they lied to you before this. They lied to you five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, fifty years ago, a hundred years ago. They lied to you. They told you federal reserves are redeemable and lawful money. Well, they were redeemable and lawful money uh, when they first came out. But they're not redeemable for law and lawful money anymore for you. And that's why they came up with the new money with a different seal. They didn't do it to prevent counterfeiting. They did it because it's a different money. It's the, the way in which it's printed is different. The agreement under which it's printed is different. But now they're going to give you the stimulus money. And I also wrote an article on that. So if you want to know more about the symptoms, just go to preparingyou.com and look up side effects. And they will give you the side effects to the new RNA vaccine that they're coming out. And we don't know all the side effects because they didn't do animal trials. So we don't know. We know that, you know, uh, anaphylactic shock, uh, uh, migraines, uh, for uh, infertility is a possibility. That's what it says on the package. It's not just some quack in Montana. Not to pick on Montana, but the reality is, is that, yeah, they don't know. And the reason they say that is because a lot of RNA vaccines that they tried to get approval for failed in animal trials because of pathogenic priming, because of infertility, because they were ineffective, etc., so all that's going on, and they're they're got three hundred, four hundred thousand, uh, four hundred million doses that they're going to have ready by June, and they're going to just yeah, somebody will tell you, oh, we're not going to force vaccine; it's all voluntary. But then, you know, they're forcing you to wear masks. You can't go into the store. You can't get on the plane. They throw you off the plane. Oh, but we're not forcing you. We're excluding you if you don't comply with what we demand. So really what you need is a vast network of people that are gathered together for the practice of pure religion that do everything from produce wheat and vegetables and and 
uh, all kinds of food, and some of them are doctors, and some of them are maybe lawyers and Indian chiefs, whatever, butcher, bakers, etc. And uh, you're in a network, and you will give service. You know, you have to tap three times on the back door, and you will be able to get what you need from them. There will be a black market of people who care enough about their neighbor as to help you out when they're beginning to exclude you. Now, me, if I'm going to become infertile uh, because of uh, the vaccine, not a big deal. I don't think I want it anyway for a lot of other reasons. I'm not even going to tell you, and I didn't even put it on the page. But there's enough reasons on the page that would make you suspicious of getting the vaccine. But if you're, you know, I just had uh, neighbors with three young girls in here. They get that vaccine, there's no guarantee that they will not become infertile in the next five to ten years. Uh, or when they come into puberty. Uh, they may not, they may not be able to have children. And, can I prove that? No. Can they prove that's not the case? No. Because they did not have animal trials. And so therefore they have no way of knowing. If they had had animal trials, you at least have some kind of an inkling of whether or not that's actually the case. But they just decided on this never before approved type of vaccine for humans to have less testing than they have with almost anything else that they approve for your use. It's not just a subcutaneous shot. It's an intermuscular shot. And it may or may not, it could very easily, the first one or the second one, contain nanoparticles. It is a synthetic RNA vaccine. So what is the... Ramifications of taking it, nobody knows. But I don't want it. But if you were actually doing what Christ said, you would have a network and a body of people that would actually be protecting you from forced vaccinations, forced medical treatment, which is now, they're opening the door to that. And we've talked about the bill, the 1701 in Oregon, and they have them in California, etc., that uh, are... Just simply remove parental rights to decide whether or not you can have, your child should have a vaccine. They actually remove a great many of the medical people that you would have gone to before who might say, well, you know, you really shouldn't because you're, you're vulnerable to an allergic reaction. But that's not going to stop it. They want to put the power totally in the hands of a bureaucracy that during this whole COVID thing, we saw that bureaucracy corrupting and making choices based on corrupt, either corrupt intent or just uh, incompetence. And so, what what are you going to do? Well, if, like I said, if we were doing what Christ commanded us to do for the last 50 years or for the last 100 years, we wouldn't have all the problems that we're seeing taking place out there in the world today. Uh, with the economy, with disease, with the loss of liberty. And so anyway, we talked this morning, because I have another article up that I put up uh, at Preparing You, fixed a few of the mistakes. I A lot of this I wrote on my phone and uploaded it up to the Internet when I'm out on the desert. And I, I just see that these things are really important for people to understand. 
and comprehend. And so I put put it up there, and it's called Stimulus. So if you go to Preparing You and look in the search engine on any page, type in the word Stimulus, you'll go to the page. And there's a lot of headings on that. We went through most of those headings this morning. Is that uh, Stimulus is is something that is driving you, motivating you, guiding you, actually stimulating your interest, stimulating your desire to go a particular way or do a particular thing. And so your stimulus package is out there saying that they want to give you 600 bucks, want to give you 2000 bucks, want to give you these gifts, gratuities and benefits. And what is the repercussion of that? Because we know that when you you depend upon a stimulant, an agent, an action, a condition that elicits or accelerates the physiological and psychological activity or response. What kind of, what kind of response are you going to get? What kind of activity are you going to get with this? Well, you're going to put your children farther into debt. You're, of course, going farther into debt. But the debt is so great now that you'll never pay it off. And that's growing and growing with leaps and bounds. And all these uh, packages that they have, of relief packages, have simply increased debt for a disease that gives almost nobody, has no unusual death rate or a minor unusual death rate. It's just not that big a death rate. So anyway, I quoted a number of people like one who said between uh, stimulus and response, something stimulates. You know, you get get this check and it's going to stimulate the economy because everybody's going to get one of these checks and they're going to go out and spend money. And uh, so it's going to stimulate a response. There is a space between stimulants and response. In that space is our power to choose, our response, our reaction to what they give us. You know, they're going to give me a check. What am I going to do with it? I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to receive it. I'm not going to cash it. And so you get to make that choice. But sometimes in order to make that choice, you have to be prepared to make the choice. You have to have other options because what they're doing is decreasing your options. And so we went through a lot of that. And we we told you that a lot of things are going on that are different than it was five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. And so you have these uh, different parameters. And we go back to the Bible and look at all the warnings that were not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other, but call themselves benefactors, yet they have you going to men who exercise authority to obtain the benefaction of the government, which is simply taking away from your neighbor $2,000 per, you know, the times 360,000 people, and then they're giving that money away. And that that induction of the funds of your neighbor to provide you with a benefit has a repercussion, has an alteration of your attitudes in society. And so, like I say, while some today may try to avoid the benefits, 
knowing that the, to the advantage comes the burden. So they avoid the benefits because the greatest destroyers of liberty are the grantors of gifts, gratuities, and benefits. So they want to get rid of that. In order to claim their freedom, they don't want to be taking those benefits. But if they really want to claim their freedom, they have to claim their responsibility. So they can't just not take the benefit. They have to become the benefactors who do not exercise authority. This is the key to the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So if you have a responsibility because you're bound to some responsibility, you can loose that by releasing your neighbor from the bondage you have put your neighbor in. And that's what people have to do. So anyway, I went through Malachi and I had it broke down into all these different sections. If you went through it, the idea that Malachi is talking about certain people who walk with God. They walk with God because they're walking according to God. Most Christians are not walking according to what Christ taught. Christ said that you are not to engage in covetous practices. You are going to take care of one another, the needy of your society, through the practice of pure religion. Without coveting your neighbor's goods. Without desiring your neighbor's goods. But, even though that is that is what you're supposed to be doing, that's not what Christians are doing. They actually covet their neighbor's goods and they just go to church to get their ears tickled. And they hear what they want to hear and the music they want to hear. And we saw how God set down these laws not to be covetous practice. And one of the things like I, uh, we were pointing out is this huge debt that's growing and going to grow by another $3 trillion, put it over $30 trillion, over $90,000 per every man, woman, and child. So if you had two kids, as a father, you now owe this huge amount of money. You know, 300000 over a quarter million dollars. And it's only getting worse. So, towards the end, they are giving you the warning to take heed. And it says, And did not he make one, yet had he the residue of the Spirit. And wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. The wife of his youth, as we were talking about, was the church, the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. That is the ministers who are providing daily ministration without exercising authority one over the other. So that's the wife of that youth. But then you take this other wife with strange gods. You marry the daughter of a strange god. And that's another whole story. That's that's betraying the wife of thy youth. You you don't want to go that way. You want to turn around and go another way. And that way is the way of Christ. And so he and he even goes so far as to talk about being cut off because masters and the scholar 
out of the tabernacle of Jacob and him that offereth an offering unto the Lord of hosts. What 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 did they do that they're cut off? Well, they they're doing these practices, these covetous practices uh, where they apply to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. And by doing so, they alter their relationship with the government with one another and it alters society as a whole. So what your ministers should be, they should be called out to be the altars of God, fit together and take care of all the social welfare through faith, hope and charity and not through force, fear and fealty. Which is the way they do it now. So he gives us these warnings of taking heed and and he tells us how what we should be doing is taking our called out ministers, funding them to become the social welfare of a network where we can see what they're receiving and what they're sharing amongst each other. And they can take care of all the social welfare needs of the people. And actually what I see, and I see this in roundabout communities around us, which are very poor communities in many cases, and they, the, there are many people who fall on the government dole, government welfare. And like they'll go into town and they will, will get, uh, free food. These shares, now some of these shares are accumulated not through government funding but through actually private funding, which is great. But uh, they're picking all this up and they're eating all kinds of stuff that's really bad for their health. And they they don't care. They're not going to do anything for their health. They're going to eat poorly. They're going to smoke. They're going to drink. And they're going to do all the things that they shouldn't be doing in order to maintain good health. And they think that's okay. But in the kingdom of God, you would have to say, well, I'm not going to buy your alcohol. I'm not going to buy your cigarettes. I'm not going to help you kill yourself as if that is some sort of a charitable activity. It is not. And we need to turn around and repent of that. So, on the page, I added the the last two verses of Malachi. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away, for one covereth violence, with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts, and therefore take heed to your spirit that ye deal not treacherously. Now, because they speak so much in metaphors, a lot of people aren't going to understand what he's talking about there. What is he putting away? He's putting away the wife of his youth and taking up with a new woman who has strange gods who force the contributions of the people but can offer bigger benefits because they have this forced offering. Now eventually this alters the people in society themselves. They don't want to think so but that is actually what takes place. And so they're actually dealing treacherously with one another not only with the spirit but with one another because they're all beginning to depend entirely on this these benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. And we we should not be that way. 
He goes on to say, ye have wearied the Lord with your words. You go to church, they all talk about Jesus. They're just not doing what Jesus said. Yet ye say, wherein have we wearied him when ye say, everyone that doeth the will is good in the sight of the Lord. But what about those who don't do the will of God, who do contrary to the decrees of Christ? Are they still saved? Well, they're going to tell you they believe, but he's going to say, get you from me, you workers of iniquity. So, he goes on, wherein have we wearied him when ye say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Where is the God of judgment? See, God is the one who judges, not us. If we judge, we will be judged. And see, that's the thing that we talked about this morning. If you judge, it's okay to take away from your neighbor, then it's okay for your neighbor to take away from you. So anyway, I put a quote at the end of the page. It says, Moral habits induced by public practices are far quicker in making their way into men's private lives than the failings and faults of individuals are infecting the city at large. The failings and faults of individuals are infecting the city at large. Well, we have all kinds of people that, you know, are, uh, you know, there's a homeless culture. There is people who divide the families and they've invented a culture that is not cast up, that will actually break down society. So anyway, uh, we're going to go to a break here and uh, we'll be right back after this break and we'll see what we will go after that. But if you go to preparingyou.com and you go up there in the top right hand side, you can type in, uh, you know, side effects. If you want to see the coronavirus side effects, there's quite a few of them. Or you can type in the term stimulus and you can see the article with footnotes and the quotes and where I got the quotes from to understand what that's all about. And we will be right back. Okay, well welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, I've got a guest in the studio. Uh, we didn't know if it was going to work out or not, but uh, we're... We don't really have an exact topic. It may be a little bit of what we were talking about uh, this morning and, and a little bit in the review that I just did of this morning's show. Uh, to me, the, the bizarre thing of everybody wearing masks and everybody afraid of a pandemic that is not the pandemic that everybody claims it is, and that's straight from the guys who are taking the data and have been doing this for years and years and years, the top ones, but they never get into the news. We're always dependent upon the ones, the hand-selected experts who end up not being experts. Ferguson didn't even, you know, he's lost his fellowship, I believe, entirely. And uh, uh, he at least lost his job. And so 
this is the guy everybody depended upon, and we also know that what he was telling everybody is simply not true. It didn't happen the way he said. And all kinds of epidemiologists were saying that couldn't be, but they still went that way because that's what the media narrative was going to be. At first, I thought it was just because they were... You know, media wants to hit the sensational story because sensational story gets listeners, and so they kind of have that tendency anyway, but the cover-up and the persistence is is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. And so I began to think early on there was another agenda behind everything. And certainly, uh, I think that more and more. And now when we have the vaccines, and we're told we get the vaccine, and everything will go back to normal, and then now they're saying, no, you still have to wear the mask, you still have to social distance, because we don't know if the vaccine will actually protect anybody. It's 95% effective, but it's only effective in causing a reaction. It's not necessarily effective. We have no way of knowing whether it's effective, because we never did animal trials. The trials they did were just giving some people the shot to see if they would drop dead. <laughs> and they didn't drop dead in any large numbers anyway, but the, everybody is having reactions. And it's the second shot where you have are expected to have the biggest reactions. So anyway, that's kind of a big deal. The economy is in shambles, and, it, and this is going to continue on for quite a while we're going into solar max again and that's starting off with a bang the economy inflation is probably right around the corner so i mean what we could talk about there is no end but anyway i'm going to ask my guest what he wants to talk about and his i've known this guy all his life (laughs) this is james williams and uh, he's been on the show before and uh so I don't know. I'm just going to see what he has to say. Hi, uh, thanks for having me on. I, I don't know if I have anything uh, uh, really specific to talk about. Um, your show, whatever you'd like to talk, uh, whatever you'd like to ask me, um, obviously there's a lot that we could discuss. Well, you, you're you're in the know in a lot of things that go on with the government. Mm-hmm. Uh so. I mean, you actually have briefings from the White House uh, in your position. You're you're elected to an office. It's an administrative office. You're not out there uh, imposing taxes and lockdowns on people. Most of the right. time, you seem to be engaged in trying to lift the lockdowns, right. get back to freedom, back to liberty. <laughs> well, and you're running into a certain amount of resistance from certain elements in government. And so, I mean, there's all kinds of things that are going on, but... uh, Yeah, there's... there's The good thing, I'd say, about the lockdown and this whole last 2020 is that it has revealed a lot of little dictators throughout the nation. And it has exposed them in many ways. And I... There are a lot of them, and I think that uh, we need to take note of the fact that uh, history is not kind to those who play God. And there's a lot of people trying to play that role right now. Um, You mentioned vaccines, for instance. I I was part of a call that was quite disturbing. Um, We had a, a meeting as commissioners throughout the state of Oregon. All 36 counties, I believe, were represented by at least one commissioner from each county. But I think we had close to 100 commissioners on the line. And uh, um, we took a vote, 
on uh, whether or not we would support a mandatory immunizations bill here in the state of Oregon. Now, we voted it down, and we said no. Um, so as far as the Association of Oregon Counties is concerned, we're not in favor of that bill. Um, as it is written, and uh, removing parental rights and uh, the... The, the whole exemption was all religious well. exemptions, and actually, I think that there's a difference there between religious exemptions. I think I think that people need to understand that it's not just about religion; it's not about religious beliefs. It's about the right of conscience, which is actually interesting that it's articulated as a right of conscience in the Oregon State Constitution several times in both Article in Article One, Section Two, and Three. It is articulated in that fashion. It isn't just about religious exemptions. It's about the right of conscience, your right to choose what is best for you, to have a decision, to make a decision that is to what is right for you, as to what you would like to do with your life, because we recognize that you, as a free individual, should have that right of conscience. This would remove that, um, and uh, or at least remove it on paper, so to speak. I think to a certain degree people need to stand up for their rights and acknowledge the fact that we need to stop allowing the men men and women that we call leaders to be leading us into these giant holes of uh, dictatorships and where the state decides what's best for us. To me, right away I'm looking at it and I'm saying these politicians are practicing medicine. Because right. they are dictating, you know, Politician. what you can do and what you can't do. And they say it's based on the science, yet, what, like I said, when I first got into this, when I actually went to real scientists. I didn't go and get, I didn't even, at first I was shocked when I would hear the media coming out. And they said that they had scientists that were saying this, this, and this. And then I thought, well, the other scientists are saying lockdowns are bad. It will kill more people because it delays herd immunity. Right, which is why we have such concepts as informed consent. Because people have the right to take the opinions of one doctor over another. We, you can prescribe treatment. You can suggest. You can, As a doctor, you can talk to your patient as a doctor-patient relationship. And you can say, you know, I think you ought to do this. The patient has every right to not listen to you I, uh, as well. But the idea of politicians stepping into the role and mandating medical treatment without informed consent, mandating it, and if you don't do this, well, we're going to take this away. And they'll say, we're not mandating it. Well, they'll say things like that, but if you can't put your children in school, you can't have your children be part of any extracurriculum activities. You can't fly on you an can't, airplane. You can't get on an airplane. You, you can't, can't go to sporting ground. events. You can't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, or if you have legislation that is actually being pushed right now here in this, here in the United States, in some states, and I believe at the federal level, with language that is identical to Australia's bills, where it's no jab, no job. Um, if you don't get the vaccine, you don't get a job. And the the idea is to say, say, well, we're not mandating it, but if an employer wishes to make it mandatory to have the vaccine as a condition of employment, the government of Australia said we will support that. So it's not mandatory, but it kind of is. It's it's like. It's like the mob coming to your place of business and saying, we're not going to make you pay, but if you don't pay, here's what's going to happen. Yeah, it, bad it's, things are going to happen. <laughs> yeah, so 
Uh, it, and that's actually what, you know, if you get over into things like what people think the Mark of the Beast is, we have an article, you can go read that also at Preparing You on the Mark of the Beast, because it's not what most people are telling you. And we got hundreds of footnotes and links to other articles so that you can see that, you know, we're thorough and we're showing you. But the Mark of the Beast, you're not forced to get it, but... You might die if you don't get it, supposedly, because they can exclude you. They can, you know, if they go, once they have this implemented, it's just like, oh, we're only going to have to wear masks for two weeks or six weeks mm-hmm. or six months or now forever. Uh, and they just keep changing. Well, not, for, not, not forever. Just a hundred days. <laughs> it's just going to be a hundred days, and then it'll be over. Don't worry about it. Just trust us. And then they change it. <laughs> and then they change it again. And then, like I say, they're constantly moving the goalposts uh, all over the field. They are altering the deal. Pray yeah, they don't yeah. alter any further. They're kind of a Darth Vader approach to government. Mm. Uh, the reality is is that that's what the, the was with the Mark of the Beast, and that, that's what they're going to do with the vaccine. Oh, we're not going to force the vaccine. But you may not be able to fly on an airplane unless you have an immunity certificate because they're talking immunity certificates in numerous countries as well as in the United States. So you don't get the certificate if you, do, you don't get the job. So you don't, you can't rat fly on a plane, say. They can do that very easily. You can't fly on a plane. What happens if you can't go into a restaurant? What if you can't go into a grocery store? What if you can't go into the hospital? You can't visit your parents or your loved ones in a hospital mm-hmm. or a convalescent home. You mean like right now? Yeah. Right now, we just had a neighbor who passed away. And they would only... Well, we have another, uh, actually, an in-law that uh, broke their hip. And you can only have one visitor mm-hmm. a day. And when the visitor's right. there, if... They step out of the room, they can't go back in. It's not like out of the hospital. If they just step out of the room, they can't go back in. And once you have one relative visiting them, you cannot have another. So if you drive up two or three, you know, it's it's a 200-mile round trip or more to the hospital for the relatives. If two of them drive up, only one of them can visit that day. They have to drive home and another one come up the next day. Right. Because they make these rules up. And they're unreasonable. It's irrational. They'll, they'll tell you they have some sort of reason, but their reason doesn't really make any sense. Not in the practical sense, but you're trying to apply practicality and logic to an illogical situation right now. And, and I personally believe... That once you start accepting one lie, hmm. it becomes uh, a matter of habit and uh, dependence to accept another lie and another lie and another lie. Which is why you need to leave politics yeah. out of medicine. So anyway, uh, let's see how we're doing on time. We're at 42, so we got got some time here. But you can see that if, if anybody can keep... Uh, Raising the ante, moving the goalposts, and there is another agenda behind all this. Now, as soon as you say, you know, another agenda, everybody, like, all conspiracy theory. History is a series of conspiracies. 
that were eventually recorded as history. <laughs> the, the, the thing about conspiracy theories is there's all kinds of conspiracy theories. There's a, and which ones are true and which ones are not. And I've always given the example of my uh, great uncle who uh, revealed secret information to the enemy, was caught doing it, was tried and beheaded in the Tower of London, only to find out that he didn't really divulge secret information. He was a double agent for the for the government. And so then he actually was not beheaded in the Tower of London. <laughs> but they pretended he was and made it look like he was. And so that he would uh, the the information to the enemy and they would act upon it and it wasn't true. So anyway, that that's a conspiracy, but that is actually the way it worked. And you, and you can go through, we did all kinds of things, World War II, to try to make them think they were going to land here, and we're actually going to land there. And so, yeah, conspiracies are real. They're just not all real. So which ones are, what is going on? What is behind this? What is the end game? And the fact is, is because there are so many people involved, there there can be a lot of end games. The media wants to get listeners. They want to sell clicks on the internet uh, because they'll make more money. Other people may want to reduce the world population. That's a considerably malevolent agenda. Other people just may want to make more money themselves, sell a book, whatever. All these mix of agendas are interfering with our ability to find out what is the truth. And so anyway... I think there's another agenda. And I think we could talk about the solution. We're very disorganized. Uh, how many people had their businesses closed down unfairly? In Lake County or just in general? Well, I know there's a lot of exa- examples of people that were shut down and now they've gone back to court and they've actually won. Right. There were a lot of attempts to go to court and they did not win. Right. And so, what are we learning? Because I, I think this is going to get worse. Yes. And I think we have to get better organized and better strategies. Wise as the serpent, but well, as harmless as dove. Well, as, you know, I'm, okay, yeah, we've had a few wins and a few businesses have won their cases, like in New York City, and in, that was a big story that hit the news the other day where the judge ruled in favor of the gym owner who said that the 25% uh, capacity was wrong. He can now open at full capacity. Um, but the thing is that they're learning from those things as well. And they're learning how to make their executive orders better. They're learning what they can and can't get away with. Their, their goal hasn't changed though. So you just mentioned a moment ago about like, let's focus on a solution rather than just focus on the doom and gloom and everything else that we're having to deal with. Okay. So solution. Stop asking your politicians to fix all your problems. There's a good one. You start there. Um, you can stop looking to other people to fix all your problems. And you can start taking ownership for your life, for your family, and start getting prepared. Another thing is to make sure that you're, as a business owner, you're speaking to other business owners in your communities. Um, one of the things that I've noticed here in this community where, you know, when things started to work out and things started to get better was when people started to speak to each other. 
um, businesses that did not communicate with other businesses, they're off on their own. Um, you need to come together. You need to talk. Like in New York City, that was one of the things that was happening. There was a uh, over in New Jersey. There was other place, other uh, cities and stories where the authorities came by and said, "There's too many of you in this building. You can't. You can't be meeting." Reminds me of other chapters of our history, of course, where the government comes in and prohibits gatherings. Um, and uh, we, we've said that very, we've made it very clear in our law that government can't do those things. They can't infringe on people's rights to gather and to assemble peaceably. And these businesses are coming together to better understand what the issues are, to better help each other understand the issues, and to try and find a solution moving forward. And yes, it is extremely frustrating for people seeing this, the, the amount of ridiculousness that is taking place in our society. Now, I'm not telling people not to wear a mask. I'm not telling people that they, they shouldn't um, take precautions in protecting their family. If you really are worried that this virus could hurt you or hurt a family member, then take whatever precautions you see, see necessary. Um, but you don't have the right to enforce your opinion on the rest of the population. You just don't. You want to have a discussion about it, fine. But you're using politicians at this point to enforce your will on an entire population. I, I know for a fact um, that the most vehement um, people that uh, our public health officials sometimes have to deal with are sometimes the people that feel like everyone needs to wear a mask, everyone needs to do this and that. They're just downright rude, rude and cruel and mean. And so uh, typically what happens, the government says, oh, well, we're not doing enough. They're worried about liability, and so we gotta, we got to do more. we got to be the leaders here. And they feel like they're not doing enough if you're not telling people what to do. It's like, no, no, no. We don't have to cater to the dictator in people's souls. This is the problem. The government that we have today is our fault. We've created it. It is the beast of our own heart. And we've allowed it to manifest itself at the degree that it is. So how do we fix this going forward? It's gonna, it's, it's gonna have to be a change of spirit in the people, for one thing. I mean, we could talk all day about the different things that could happen from this. And, and, and I agree with you that it is going to get worse. Um, I don't think 2021 is going to be any different if, if, other than possibly being worse than 2020. I think there's a lot to yet to come. But there's also there's also something that I prayed about this and and I think that maybe maybe I'm right on it. The thing that I think I've done wrong in my leadership is do too much. I feel like we've worked very hard to make life easy for business owners in Lake County compared to other counties in the state where you go to other counties and other places where it's just complete lockdown. You can't do anything. It's just absolutely frustrating. Our businesses are dying. I've told people this before. There's kind of a rural Oregon east-west divide here in our state of Oregon, um, where the, most of the population live in the western por- portion of the state. And the uh, folks on the eastern side in the more rural areas feel like, uh, you know, they they don't get a say in everything because the western side typically outvotes them. So they have this kind of animosity towards one another, and it's really ur- it's it's really the urban areas of Portland and Salem versus 
um, the rest of the rural por- portions of Oregon. Um, so it really isn't the east versus west. It's more rural versus urban. But um, the divide itself has kind of revealed a number of things to us. Uh, and And throughout this, we've learned that actually, as much as we like to complain about the decisions that are made in Western Oregon, or at least in Portland by the executive order of the governor and other things, we sit here and say they're killing us, they just don't like us here, they're trying to kill rural Oregon, and and yes, it does hurt us when these things are taking place, but we need to come to an understanding that actually Western Oregon is dying faster than us, because it is far more severe over there. It is It is hurting those businesses far more than it is hurting us. We've always been poor in rural Oregon. And I joke about Lake County and say when the Great Depression hit, no one here ever noticed. Because it's it's always been, we've always had that level of poverty that we've just dealt with and lived with and we get up every morning, we go to work. We're not looking for riches, we're looking for quality of life. And right now, that's even being impacted by this. So, we need to understand that it's not just about us in the rural parts of America. The urban areas are actually dying just as fast. We need to care about their rights just as much as we care about our own. It's a spirit that we've lost to a certain extent in America, where we only think about what's happening to us, only think about what is hurting us, and we don't care about anything else. For some people, vaccines aren't a big deal. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily preaching against taking the vaccine. I'm saying that you need to make the decision for yourself. And doctors need to stop playing politician. Politicians need to stop playing doctor. We need to stay on our own flipping lanes and do what is right. Well, and we also have to allow, if we want our liberty back, our choice back, that's what liberty is. Your right, right of conscience. Choice, the right of conscience. We have to extend that right to our neighbor. To our neighbor. So when we are, find ourselves talking again, we're not talking at one another. We're talking with one another, so that we realize. I, somebody might say, "I don't care whether I get a vaccination or not," but this family, right. my neighbor, doesn't want it. They've got maybe three little girls. But that's they, that, but, but see, you have people to say, "Oh, well, that doesn't matter to me. It's not on my priority but list." You can't do that. You can't, well, you're about to lose your right of conscience with that right there, so your opinion really doesn't matter. And the fact that you, you have an opinion that that doesn't matter to you and that isn't your priority, well, auto, you say that it's irrelevant? Well, guess what's irrelevant? Your opinion. Yeah, as you judge, so shall you be judged. If right. you judge that your neighbor's opinion doesn't matter because it's no big concern to you, then neither does yours. Then your opinion doesn't matter. When you start caring about your neighbor's rights as much as you care about your own, well, then now you have now you have the possibility of liberty, right. and and you have to do this in an organized way. We had a, a riot; it wasn't really that big of a riot, but they called it that. In uh, nothing like what we saw going on in Portland before, but up in Salem. They were having a meeting, and they called this network that I actually joined just to see what they were up to. They called for everybody to show up, and a lot of people showed up, and somebody ended up kicking in a door, and I guess there was some On the Capitol building, and, yeah. And uh, there was some commotion and everything. But they were organized enough to let everybody know to show up, 
but show up and do what? Right. When they talk about a well-regulated militia, the militia wasn't always going around shooting people. The militia, like I said, was dealing with floods and fires and and building schools. Your emergency responders. They they show up. Your first responders. uh, To help one another. They, They were organized. They When they had a call... They knew who to go see and who the call was coming from, and they had worked together on projects, and so they knew who was reliable. If you, ju- if the only thing you have in common is you want your rights back, that's not gonna cut it. Nope. You have to want your neighbor's rights back. As you judge, so shall you be judged. If you don't care about what your neighbor is facing, his bankruptcy, his business, his children, uh, his allergic reaction to forced vaccination, whatever. We have an entire population right now that is arguing over whether or not $600 is enough for them or $2,000 is enough for them. And they're, they're fighting over it. And you have a few politicians that are actually recognizing the fact, hey, whatever happened to the discussion about whether or not we should even have a, a, a relief bill? Why are we even sending any money at all? But we're we're greedy, and politicians have discovered that they can actually buy your votes. And See, we were coming together as communities used to do. Mm-hmm. We were dependent upon one another. If you if you lost your job, it was your local community that was going to help you out, find right. a way to get enough firewood to get you through, uh, find you another job, help you get training, right. whatever. It was all community based. There was no government. Free aid. It was actually opposed to put that power in the hands of government by people like Davy Crockett and and, and through that area, right. Horatio Bunce, and even if you go back to Jefferson and Madison, they would be shocked that you would be looking always to the government for bailouts. So everything is filtered through them. Like we say, there is redistribution of wealth in the kingdom of God, but it's done through charity. It's not done through force. This is why John the Baptist was doing something different. He said, no, you take care of one another because you have an extra coat, you have extra food, and you share. You don't go to get the free bread of Rome and Augustus Caesar because there are connections. That builds a relationship the more you do that. Right. And so that relationship is what made men stand at Valley Forge stand and cross the Delaware because they were willing to do that because of the thousands of things that they had done before mm-hmm. to help one another out. We don't do that anymore. And that, that is a solution, though. If you want a way out of this, that is a solution. You have because to cultivate those relationships that stop come. Stop eating at Caesar's table. Yeah. Find another way. And what we just we just spelled it out right there. You just spelled it out. This is it, so. We we got uh, about ninety seconds to the end of the show, but yeah, that is basically what Christ was doing was telling people. That's what John the Baptist was doing. That's what Moses was doing. They had to go through the plagues, uh, mm. the, the the earthquakes, the famines, and all this stuff. And but they ha- they weren't going to get any more benefits. The Caesar was uh, or Pharaoh was not going to give them any more straw. They had to provide it themselves. That is the key. So anyway, join us on the network. Sign up at preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org. 
start helping one another and caring about one another as much as you care about yourself. And until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. Thanks, James, for showing up. Thank you. Um, God bless you guys. Thank okay. you. Okay, and uh, we'll see you all then. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.